0: Hey, hey, this is Chase Masters, Masterson, host of Disco Nights, inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience, so we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your
1: disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Treksperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, check out my best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. This is not Sean Connery,
2: but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie podcast at (laughs) 430movie.com.
1: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren
2: Doctorman, and we are the Trek experts.
1: Welcome, Darren. Good to see you.
2: Well, it's good to see you as well. You just we got have...
1: back from an exciting trip to uh, Ticonderoga, New I York. I just
2: got back from
1: the Star Trek original series set tour, and boy, are my arms tired. Well, have we got a great episode for you guys today. Obviously, in an honor and celebration of, of uh, Valentine's Day, we're going to do Star Trek's greatest love stories
3: felt something was wrong
1: it was
4: necessary
3: come back to the planet with me you can belong again oh, come back with me please I can't I said that six years ago and I can't seem to stop repeating myself. On earth you couldn't give anything of yourself. You couldn't even put your arms around me. We couldn't have anything together there. We couldn't have anything together any place else. But we're happy here. I, I can't lose you now, Mr. Spock, I can't
4: responsibility
1: to this ship. There's are, love stories in Star there, Trek? There's love. There's even kissing. Kissing? My nine-year-old son is not too <laughs> thrilled about that, but uh, for the rest of us, it's it's very exciting. And Just keep uh, going the way you're going. You'll like it. A lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the apple.
1: <laughs> we, we, have, we are joined today to celebrate uh, its love, love, love. No, that's... Galactica. Galactica. <laughs> uh, we have some great guests. I'm, I'm thrilled that um, joining us from our sister podcast, uh, Disco Nights, Alexandra August, who's a writer for CBR and Screen Rant. Uh, she hosts her own Star Trek Discovery podcast, uh, Disco Trek, and uh, Alexandra August.
0: Hello, everyone. And I am a huge, huge, huge fan of romance on Star Trek. Well, welcome.
1: Oh, you're one of those. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Now, he's finally joining us. We had to wait to, to uh to bring out the big guns, the guns that Navarone. But the God of war is here. The <laughs> ultimate the ultimate Trexpert. We are the Inglorious Trexperts. We have the Inglorious Trekk. Not only does he own every photo novel and every original post. In mint condition. He had In mint a mint condition. <laughs> he had a Star Trek bar mitzvah. He got us beat <laughs> by at least 12 parsecs, if not more, whatever that means. He's the Citizen Kane He's of Star Trek fans. A le- yes! <laughs> yes! He's yes a- no!
0: I want a new intro.
1: He's a legendary <laughs> film critic. He is the movie reviewer for um, uh, Collider. For Collider. <laughs> and, uh, and it's he- a
2: shame we don't have any time
1: today. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and he is here with us to talk about love. He walks on Star Trek.
5: And the amazing thing is, Scott walks, Mance. You know, walks <laughs> us. Alexandra, you you are you are a big fan of romance on Star Trek. But really, when it comes to when it comes to Star Trek, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind for most people, it's not the love. It's not the love stories. It's not really the romance. It might be like the time travel episodes. It might be like the Klingons. It might be the Romulans or whatever. But or the Enterprise. But the fact is that the love stories and the romances on Star Trek have endured for fifty plus years, as we are going to talk about on Inglorious experts right now.
1: Today, Inglorious experts is the ultimate Trekkers.
5: Why do I have to say you finally have me on? I'm like, why don't they ever ask me to come on? What are they waiting for? I love talking about Star Trek. We're really? waiting
2: for love. Love. We're waiting for Valentine. Love. Celebrate the love. Waiting oh, for, for wait, fan <laughs> One of the great things about this. Subject is because, well, the theme to the original Star Trek is a love song. Mm.
5: Well, the theme, the theme
2: written by uh, the
5: w- lyrics written, you know, yes. I say that in quotes by Gene no, Rod Burry and he Alexander wrote them. Courage.
2: He absolutely wrote them. They were without the permission of uh, Alexander <laughs> uh, Courage. Yes, okay, right. But he <laughs> wrote them and it is a it is a love st- a love song beyond the rim of a the starlight, starlight uh, we'll my love, love is in wandering star flight. in starlight yes i know he'll find in star-clustered reaches love strange love a star-woman teaches i know his journey ends never his star trek will go on forever but tell him as he wanders his starry sea remember remember, remember, remember me
5: well wow. done, mister. I had to go. Very, very I, I'm impressive. I'm like
1: going on the web to try and find the lyrics. Meanwhile, oh, you're see? just like reciting them like that. Like that. <laughs> that is a deep cut, mister. I'm very impressed. Sometimes it's the deepest, it's the deepest right cut there. of all.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, those words never made it into any uh, uh,
2: uh, audio version of it, thankfully. Although but, I yeah. think Jack Black did a recording of it.
1: Did he Live, really? yeah. God bless Jack Shatner Black. should do it. No kidding. That would be great. That would be, that would be awesome. You know, I mean, the reason that. I feel Ron like that Berry, was even
0: written in Shatter's voice. Like, if you think about just the grandiose <laughs> nature of this. Oh, Darren, please. Star please. please. Darren, Someday. My please, baby, laundry.
1: please. Uh, so, yeah, um, the reason that Gene Rodberry wrote those lyrics is because basically uh, he wanted a piece of the publishing. So, even though Alexander. Courage wrote the music the music music by Roddenberry this was pretty common back in the 60s and 70s I mean Glenn Larson you know has a publishing credit also on the Battlestar Galactica theme and uh, you know wrote some of the songs like it's love 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 and uh, Roddenberry you know wrote the lyrics so that he would get a piece it's like residuals with actors every time the Star Trek theme is played not only does Alexander uh, Courage get a piece of the publishing but Gene Roddenberry did and that actually proved quite lucrative and unlike the residuals of the era, they didn't stop. Right, You know, music uh, royalties uh, were in perpetuity, so uh, he made quite a bit of money over that thing that probably took him about 30 seconds to jot down uh, on a napkin somewhere. Wow. I don't know how
2: long it took him, but I, I do know that it took Alexander Courage a long time to get over that. Yeah. Yes. Because it was, <laughs> a, it was a big surprise.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to say, though, it's fairly, sadly, it's fairly common, you know, particularly sure. Sure. you know, in the era. You'd find, if you look at a lot of these classic TV themes that we know, they, you know, have weird, li- usually it's the creator of the show with a composer, and they don't know a lick of music and have never written any other songs right. there's, in their there's- life
0: there are lyrics to Bewitched right right like it's Bewitched Bewitched Samantha got- is a witch and it's not great like you don't want to hear it but yeah no like, way Wow, the got is very me educational. in your spell Bewitched
2: yeah. Bewitched that's how you do so well something like that yeah. wow yeah. that's great so does I Dream of Jeannie
1: what, is, what are the lyrics?
3: Genie,
2: fresh as a daisy, jeezy, genie. How she amazed me, something like that. That
0: actually makes sense. That makes yeah. more, I would have loved to hear that. Oh, talk um, about I a don't. tangent. But there is right. a ship looking for <laughs> Earth. Oh, wait, no. I'm <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no that Trying isn't. to find the planet Earth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Silence are <laughs> out to get us.
2: <laughs> so, love stories.
3: Yes, love <laughs> stories.
1: Well, look, we're, we're going to talk for Valentine's Day. Um, first of all, uh, let me ask. Uh, w- what you're going to get your paramour or, or more? more? Uh, w- like, what's a great Valentine's Day present? Um, I, I tribbles? No. Um, what? What Scott? What, what's what's the best it's Valentine's great. Day present for our audience? You know, w- if you were going to try and impress a, uh, someone with a wonderful, lavish them with a token of your affection, what would it be, Scott?
5: Uh, what you mean, a, a Star Trek tone of affection, or sure. just just a? a, sure. a Oh man. You know what? I would get them this, the the uh, the plants from this side of paradise. Oh, the spores! <laughs> I'd shoot the spores it's... because a they're plants, they're flowers. B they spread love, <laughs> and uh, you know what more do you want uh, for a Star Trek fan? You know, to have a Star Trek reference, to have a flower, to spread love. I mean, come on. It sounds uh, like this way to Eden, no. though. The, the, you're going third, late third season. <laughs> you know, you're totally uh, taking away the joy of the first and second season here, especially the first season. The that episode track. was directed, by the way, The Side of Paradise, written by Dorothy Fontana, directed by Ralph Sinansky, who directed some of the most sensitive episodes of Star Trek, including my all-time favorite, which I am not ready to talk about yet, because I will get to it as one of of the great love stories okay. on Star well, Trek. Hold that thought. What, do hold you remember thought. what the
1: original title of uh, The Side of Paradise was? Uh, the Way of the Spores. Very good. Yes, sir. You win a set of steak knives. <laughs> uh, Which is also a nice gift for Valentine's Day. What uh, What about you? What's your, um, what, what, do you, what? what's either a gift you like to give or receive in the Star Trek milieu?
0: Couple of nights in the hollow suite. Oh. oh a stay you patient on DS9. Yeah.
1: Nice. Good oh choice. Goodness. Good choice. Right
0: off the top of your head, Alexander.
5: Oh, Very I've thought nice. about this for a long time.
2: <laughs>
1: Darren Doctorman.
2: You know, I I think that the greatest gift that you can give to a loved one is to try and help them enjoy Star Trek as much as you do. To share your joy in whatever aspect of of fandom that you have, and to try and imbue them with some of the excitement and love that you have. Like you did with John Kim a few weeks back on the show. Well, we'll see the results of that seed that was planted. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I think that the best way is that you can share a part of yourself by sharing what you love.
5: Now, the question for that for you, Darren, is that if you're going to share share Star Trek with someone who is not really into it or, or sort of just knows about it, but has never seen it. Mm -hmm. And you want to just sort of them to get the idea, the general idea of what it is that you love about it without getting too deep, without showing an episode that like maybe fans will love more than, than casual fans. What would be an episode or a couple of episodes that you would show someone to say, okay, this is what I love about Star Trek. Watch this episode.
1: Trek 101.
2: Right. Um, I think you know the obvious answer is uh, uh the fan favorite trouble with tribbles because that has humor. humor it has it has all our characters acting you know very uh, uh correctly as mm-hmm. they usually mm-hmm. do um and it has uh it has intrigue it has a fun story it has um, the
1: only love money can buy That's correct uh-huh, there you go
2: Well except if you're uh, uh a lithium miner <laughs> um, but uh the, <laughs> Hey, uh-huh. I'm just saying. Um, but I, I also think that uh, the Corbinite maneuver is the first, yeah, first uh, episode, episode shot filmed for the season. The is season. iconic Star Trek, mm-hmm. it is. and it has all the elements in there that make it fascinating, that make it intriguing, that makes Kirk such a great leader, mm-hmm. that makes the crew so uh, efficient, and the mystery of uh, of space. It's so all funny. It.
1: Not the best Star Trek episode, but perhaps the most Star Trek episode ever made. Yeah, the one in that should shown first. Well, sure. yeah, I mean, it was just the special effects weren't ready. Right. But uh, when you look at it, you're right. It has a, the uh, you know, fear of the unknown, um, the idea that you know what we don't understand isn't necessarily an enemy, the whole idea that Baylock is fearsome and horrible, but when we really peel back the onion, we find out it's just this little you space know, And also space the love story who...
2: between Bailey and Baylock. Is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not just Mr. Spock.
5: Poker. Poker. Alexandra, I'm curious to get your take on this. Like, what would be the episode of any Star Trek?
2: Wait a minute. Who's the host here? (laughs) Uh, No, I'm curious because I I want to get your perspective. (laughs) Um,
0: Once you get him going, there's no stopping him. Be careful what you wish for (laughs) happening (laughs) on the show. I'm. I like starting with Trouble with Tribbles because it's so accessible on so many different levels and for so many different ages, and it's so light, too, and it also maintains a very Star Trek feel, and you get a good sense of the actual world, like Harry Mudd's there, the Klingons are there. Um,
1: Cyrano but, Jones.
0: Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Cyr- Cyrano Jones. They're um, not- <laughs> kind of conflated in my head. but They're I would very also, similar. I would also <laughs> follow that up with... Um, Trials and Tribulations from DS9, Mm. because I think, like, kind of in this age of reboots and reimaginations, that was such a beautiful homage to, like, for the anniversary. That was such a beautiful homage to the trouble with Tribbles. And that classic line where Odo and Worf are sitting in the, or sitting in the, whatever, on the space station. And. K7. Yes, thank you. Um, Worf, (laughs) Odo, they're, they're talking about the Tribbles and Worf mentions that the Klingons eventually had a raiding party that went and destroyed the entire Tribble homeworld. And... Oda's just like, oh, do they still tell tales of the Great Tribble Hunt? <laughs> and it's just <laughs> phenomenal. Klingons are so extra. And then Worf has to explain. that it's like we don't speak about it with others because somebody obviously notices. And it's the first time they ever call out the like ridiculous difference between Worf and the other non-riched Klingons, which I wish they had just left that way yeah. and not tried to explain because that was perfect.
5: I, I got to say, so so Darren and, and Alexandra, you both pick Trouble with Tribbles. As a, it's definitely accessible. And I understand completely- It's a gateway drug. What's that?
2: It's a gateway drug.
5: It it it's the gateway drug for for Star Trek, and I see your point. Why? But if I was going to introduce someone who had never really sat and watched a Star Trek episode or a Star Trek movie before to really like get them, give them a feel for for the the broad sense of of what makes it so great, I would actually not start with Trouble with Tribbles. The reason being because while it is a great episode, it's so beloved by the fans. It's a fan favorite. It's not. It's not a typical episode. It, it is atypical in the sense that there's so much humor to sure. it. And like Mud's women, like to a, a, an extent, piece of the action. I love those episodes, but they're, they don't, they're not like fully representative of Star Trek. I love your choice of corporate might maneuver. My choice, my number one choice to give someone a feel for the greatness of Star Trek, and by extension, the greatness of James T. Kirk, <laughs> is Balance of Terror.
2: That's another excellent choice. The
1: reason being, you're an excellent tactician, sir.
5: It it, it is the the episode does so much. It is uh, a, an allegory for
1: for Vietnam,
5: for the Cold War. Uh, it is also uh, a, the way it touches on bigotry and racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the conflict between Kirk and Styles. I love that scene. You know, Styles is just like, oh, give it to Spock. You know, he can. Uh, you know, uh, figure it out. And Kirk goes, I assume you're complimenting him on his, ad- on his abilities. And uh, he goes, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sir. The <laughs> way he swings him around in the navigator's chair yeah. and says, here's one thing you could be sure of, mister. Leave any bigotry in your quarters. There's yes. no room for it here on the bridge. Yep. Do I make myself clear? And his
3: house is yeah. like, oh,
5: you, d- you do, sir? You know, yeah. it's just such a, It's a great episode of that last scene, you know, in a different reality. I could have called you it's friends. A great it's great. It is a It great is episode. brilliant. But, you know, also, yeah, Doomsday Machine is another great one. I love Mirror, Mirror. But, again, that's atypical because it's all mostly in the Mirror universe. We're
1: here to talk about great Star Trek loves. (laughs) You know, when we think of of Star Trek, we think of, you know, space. We think of uh, The Final Frontier. We think of all these wonderful uh, um, science fiction conceits. You know, someone who's not that familiar with Star Trek may not immediately think of Star Trek as a show that was – comprised of, of great romantic uh, drama. But in fact it was. And I'd love to hear from each of you, you know, on this Valentine's Day week, what your favorite classic um, Star Trek love story was. Maybe Darren Let maybe. me let me jump in. <laughs> um, there are many
2: wonderful love stories. I think the most touching for me is Requiem for Methuselah.
4: If you do not leave voluntarily, I have the power to force you to leave or kill you where you stand. Have you ever seen a victim of Virgilian fever? They die in one day. The effects are like bubonic plague. The Enterprise, a plague ship. The last tender encounter, Captain Kirk. Be thankful that you did not attack me, Captain. I might have accepted battle and I have twice your physical strength. How childish he is, Rainer. Would you call him brave? Or a fool.
3: I will not
4: be the cause of this. I choose. My crew. Time for you to join your crew. And I
2: know third season is is a bit of a dicey proposition for a lot of people. But I think this is a lovely story. Of Flint, the immortal, creates this android who is the perfect match for him, the perfect woman for someone who has lived for so long. And only her, only she, is able to be up to his level of a companion. And, of course, she has been created so carefully and so um, uh, perfectly that Kirk falls for her big time. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And,
2: she didn't
0: need to be creative perfectly for Kirk to fall for her. No, that, <laughs> good point. It's
2: it's actually
1: he's been with a couple of imperfect women too.
2: He has, but remember, he has never fallen in love. And I think this is one of the first times that he actually
1: was in love with her before he realized she was an android. Well, I have to tell you, I I actually completely disagree i mean but you you know you are entitled to your opinion too <laughs> uh-huh. uh but um i i find that episode very um I, the fact that that spock wipes kirk's mind I'll of this the entire relationship at the end. i need my pain what happened he needs his pain he thrives off his pain kirk's not somebody who needs to have these i think he'd be more concerned about you know the fact that he's lost crew members, then he's he's lost a robot companion, you know, that he just met a week ago from that he stole from Mr. Flint. Well, you obviously
2: know. you haven't gone through uh, being catfish on the internet. Well, I, I, I think that, <laughs> by the way, that moment at the end of that episode. I think when, it's a beautiful moment.
5: It's a beautiful moment. <laughs> he leans in and says forget, and then it just cuts to the yeah. end credit there. So, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that episode was written by Jerome Bixby. Yes. Who did "Mirror, Mirror," "Day of the Dove," yeah. uh, and co-wrote uh, "By Any Other Name" with D.C. Fontaine? Mm-hmm. So, what I love about that episode is—is is exactly, I mean, just following your your your, your point. Um, that the the only issue I have with that episode really is that you know, unlike other love stories, uh, especially where Kirk either is is with a past love interest, like in like Deadly Years or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or obviously, the uh, Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes. Yeah, well, look,
1: I don't even want to go there yet because,
5: but well, I'm not going to get into yeah. that episode. But, but uh, on Reckoning from Methuselah, I just felt that Kirk sort of like sacrificing uh, his love, his 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 career, his his love for the Enterprise, he, the way he just surrenders himself over to this to this android, even after he finds out to that Robot she's an Girl. android. It just it just um, it seems a little too easy and uh sort of betrayed the really inner turmoil and conflict that we've seen him have in in the past and i mean i like the 3rd season it has its merits and and that the ship episode is, is in one danger.
1: of them yeah people are on a colony if they don't get this right jalan right right talon. whatever i, I <laughs> you know I, I got the the uh the generic sure. version so um they, Same they, chemical they, makeup don't they, worry, it's they, fine. Um, uh, you know, there's so many things that concern him as a captain. Agreed. That Agreed. for him to suddenly become obsessed and get into this cockfight with uh, um, Flint, Flint over this robot girl, I, I just think it's, it's again, no, no disrespect to you. because You're a cold-hearted you're, man, Mark. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about you. It. I, 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 but I, it's only because I felt strongly about this for many years because I know a lot of people love Requiem for Methuselah uh-huh. and I love the title. Sure. You know, and I love the idea of Flint being all these legendary people like Da Vinci and all these, and I, you know, how how Spock sort of puzzles it out, like when yeah. he realizes who this guy is. Like, there's a lot in there that's interesting, but I just the Kirk like falling in love with this woman so deeply, you know, based on what there's nothing you know about her that is so compelling. Uh, okay, which will lead me into I have to go into my choice to have to make this argument, but. You know, my choice is, of course, the, as Scott would say, the Citizen Kane of Star Trek, The City on the Edge of Forever. Mm-hmm. Now, in The City on the Edge of Forever, Captain Kirk falls deeply in love with a woman because she shares his values and and his passions and he, her caring, and there is this this this, uh, you know, Kirk sees something in her that he's never seen. In any other woman, she's just not somebody to be a conquest, another notch on his belt. It's someone that he has a real a uh, passion, you know. And and if any time Kirk uh, Spock would er- erase his memory of someone because technically this didn't really happen because it's you know time travel and all those things, this would be the moment where I would see Spock wanting to erase because that's real pain. Look, and-
2: I, I I totally agree. Um, however, just being devil's advocate a little bit. Um, I think that in the episode itself the reasons for Kirk falling in love with Edith Keeler are not made plain
4: oh you hurry maybe we can catch the Clark Gable movie at the office Ophi- what I'd like to see it. you know Dr. McCoy said the same McCoy. thing McCoy as- Leonard McCoy yes he's in the mission he's- stay right here Spock stay right there What is it? McCoy, he's a.
3: No, Jim. Jim. Ah! Deliberately stop me, Jim. Could have saved
2: her. Do you know what you just
3: did?
4: He knows, Doctor. He knows.
2: Well, within well, the episode itself I alright, I, I, it, I have it to goes, disagree. It goes it goes from meeting her to taking her to a movie. It's really a Clark quick Clark Gable movie a Clark a Gable doesn't
0: movie. she explain like her entire sort of job and reason for being and why she's doing the things that she's doing I mean like like, like you said Mark they share these values and one and of she, the reasons she, I like she, that episode is because like he has conversations with her before it ever gets sexual before they uh, ever start flirting she, exactly and they, like it's as a woman watching that I'm like oh this is a real person that's right. so nice and it's she not this sort of a, a, the future body.
1: that he lives in decades, if not right. centuries. Exactly. Before, well, she has a vision of the future that he's from. And, and, and that whole yeah. scene where they're walking down the street and he says, one day, let me help or replace even I love you. Right. And I mean, that is there's something substantive about that.
2: Clearly, well, I totally agree. I, clearly I understand. the
1: reason that City on the Edge of Forever works,
5: and yes, it is the Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes because <laughs> it's a whole lot more than just a love story. And it is the greatest Star Trek episode ever produced Across all six shows, or seven if you include the animated series, I think uh, it's not my personal favorite love story. I'll get to that, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to support Mark on City on the Edge Forever <laughs> and on his relationship with Edith Kewer because of the points you just said. And listen, you know, you, you sometimes the, a connection is instantaneous because they are soulmates. Kirk sees him, himself in Edith, and she sees herself. In Kirk. It is an instant connection. You know, yeah, sure, the, the, the initial uh, uh, attraction was physical, but then it becomes so much more deeper and so much more emotional. And the other brilliance of that love story is that we don't even see, we're not even introduced to Edith Keeler until Sister halfway Keeler. through, Sister Edith <laughs> Keeler, as it says in the credits. Yeah. But we're not even introduced to her until halfway through yeah. the second act, mm-hmm. and yet she has the rest of Act Two, Act Three, and Act Four to make her mark. So that when Kirk makes the ultimate sacrifice to save the future, save the Enterprise, you feel that you pain, that tragedy. Feel it. You
3: that feel That sacrifice
5: it. when he when they go back to the future and uh, go through the uh, the, the Guardian uh, time has resumed the mm-hmm. shape. So when that happens. And, you know, Scotty and Uhura, they're they're like so happy to see Kirk Spock and McCoy come back through and that the future has been restored, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. But when Scotty sees the look on Kirk's face, that clenched jaw, there he's not even looking anyone else in the eye. You know, Scotty and Uhura, their smiles fade like they're like, Okay, what's happened? what mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. Yeah. Something happened. And that the impact of that line, let's get the hell out of here, mm-hmm. is I get the chills just thinking about well, and, that, and
1: I completely agree. You know, and I get the chills even early on when uh, Joan Collins first sees she sees that they're thieves. They've broken into her uh, mission, mm-hmm. but yet there's something about him that she immediately sees uh, uh, that he's not who he appears to be. Um, and I also think that in this episode, what's so just. You know, absolutely extraordinary. As you said, the character sort of developed in whole cloth in two acts. Yeah, because she comes in like. But Harlan Ellison would always dismiss it, and you know, for many reasons, including the fact that he was so dramatically rewritten. But he says, "Oh, the endings bunk." You know, where uh, Kirk lets her die. To me, that's what makes it so that's powerful. What makes it so yeah. powerful. Yeah. He, he was a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, you know, the fact that he has to stop. And you know, even though uh, you know Sp- Spock grabs him, but not enough to hold him back. Shattered kirk knows what he needs to do which is to let her get hit by the truck and it is the most painful the most difficult choice he uh, ever made his captain yeah. ever will make his captain and it's another reason and this is a whole nother episode why generations is awful because clearly <laughs> if captain kirk could envision anyone in the nexus it would be edith, edith keeler, keeler. And
0: who would not have wanted to see joan collins like roll up on in generations on a horse to come on That would can, have you been imagine, great.
1: can
5: you imagine the impact of that scene especially for for fans
0: that's um, I one of the reasons I also like City on the Edge of Forever is that I think it almost sets the tone for Star Trek romance across the rest of the series. Because there's always like, yeah, we want this, but we can't because the show doesn't obviously want to focus on that aspect of things. So there's very, it's not until you get to DS9 that there is a regular relationship between series regulars on a show. <laughs> but before that, you have, I mean, my favorite original series romance, I would say, is the Enterprise incident because Spock and the Romulan commander mm. are... The chemistry is so powerful. Yeah, great I great choice. Yeah, so that, but then, um, again, they can't be together because of you know, obvious reasons. Um, Picard and Crusher, very popular ship on uh, Next Generation. Picard is not, spect- and we see this more in, like, with his relationship with Nella Darren. In Lessons, Picard can't compromise his objectivity. That's always the problem. I will die on the hill that is Janeway and Chakotay on Voyager. Um, as, a, like, a 13- to 17-year-old girl, it was my jam. And <laughs> I respect... Um, now more so what Kate Mulgrew insisted initially was that Jane may not be sexualized or at least not be sexualized in excess simply because she was a woman and so that's kind of one of the reasons they didn't go that direction to my understanding but there was so much to mine there because like again that was almost another perfect of course they couldn't really have a relationship they're you know marooned in a different quadrant and that could to have the senior stuff sleeping together could seriously complicate things um so it's almost. That's one of the reasons I love romance on Star Trek because we get it doled out in these like kind of delectable little pieces, and it makes it seem so much more exciting. But it's also so frustrating because there, there are there do always seem to be these barriers, that's these un- insurmountable barriers that stop the people you want to be together from being together. You know, so- it's
1: interesting you mentioned lessons because. Uh, that's a really terrific Picard romance. I know a lot of people yeah. say inner light, yeah, but I, I, I feel like um, in lessons, you know, again, it's a similar thing. He has to sacrifice her for the good, the common good, and it's very difficult. And then, you know, when he has to face her at the end, it's a really terrific, powerful episode. And, and Patrick's great in it, that's and it's a, a really strong episode.
0: Another frustrating thing for me, specifically with Jamie and Chikotty, but also across the board, is that these actors are so talented. Mm-hmm. And one of my my favorite episode of Voyager, I guess not my favorite favorite, probably it's one that I've seen the most is Resolutions because it's the first time in really three seasons you get to see Kate Mulgrew kind of leave the Captain Captain persona behind, and she has that Seema Chakotay across the table where he tells her that kind of ridiculous legend about the angry warrior falling in love with the warrior woman, and like clearly it's just about them, and she's like, is that brilliant ancient legend <laughs> and there's this intimacy between them that we never get to we so rarely get to see on other episodes because it's militaristic and it's formalized and it's science fiction and it's kind of not about that but that also in lessons even though it's kind of this one-off romance which i feels like an alien of the week kind of thing they're both so good um wendy uh, uh forget her last name um oh yeah um but wendy and patrick are so brilliant at you know showcasing this believable kind of like several week romance between two people who have things in common and Picard probably just hasn't been confronted with this situation before. Like I believe that he hasn't been confronted with this situation before as a captain because he keeps himself closed off. But it just, it works so well and you just want more of it. Uh, You know,
5: I did did want more of that. I I mean, of course, I I, I wanted more of of Picard and Aline from from, uh, Interlight. I mean, that is another episode that works uh, across the board, not just as a great love story, but, It's uh, one of the, often mentioned as in in one of the top three best episodes of Next Gen.
3: Father, I think I should marry Danik sooner rather than later. Don't you? Seize the time, Manipur. Live now.
4: Make now always the most precious time.
3: Now will never come again. I
0: love you, Father. It's almost like the opposite of Mirror, Mirror. Like, you get to see what Picard could have been like in his sort of a family man, more emotional self. Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. And just, you know, that, just that, that – I will say the, the thing about Inner Light was when Picard was living his other life, they should never have gone back to the bridge of the Enterprise like sh- they they never oh, right. shouldn't have during been, yeah. during that section during yes. that section during that entire section I agree that would have been more effective if you just played out the rest of the episode living this alternate life right. and then this, and then go this back, back when he and goes and then back. go back because then you feel the loss right. just like Patrick Stewart Picard
0: you're not just waiting for him to get back like okay let's when's the, when are we going to get back to normal but I life? want to
5: get back to the Enterprise incident because you know there are, there <laughs> there are episodes where you know as a kid. You like more than others and then as you and then epi- there are other episodes that you you know you might like okay they're just fine but then you with age comes wisdom and you mm-hmm. have a, a revisionist look at at uh, the episodes and i certainly had that with the enterprise incident because um uh it is a great love story uh the chemistry uh, between spock and the Romeo commander is great and their makeout scene with the hands was mm-hmm. very is, very I don't passionate. do not even can call sexual. it
0: a love story. It is a sex story, it's which that like, makes it like t- which is so exciting that it's spock because if anybody is buttoned up and that you want to see let like, go a little bit, it's spock. Well, but you it's you, a, you do and you don't a little bit, but it works so well. It's a chance of that. where
2: he gets to use this power that has been yeah. denied to him. Right. Oh, that's true. <laughs>
1: for The entirety of the show. But it's funny because we all talk about these Shatner love stories, but really, if you look at the history of original Star Trek fandom, it was all focused on, you know, the shippers at the time, you know, who were like uh, the Mary, then it was called Mary Sue, you know, where people would put themselves in these stories too, um, uh, were all Spock uh, centric And all those early stuff like Jacqueline Lichtenberg and all these people, they were all obsessed. The, the early fanzines, T negative, they were all obsessed with Spock. So the, the three seminal stories on that show were Enterprise Incident, The Side of Paradise, and of course, Not a Great Episode, but also um, All Our Yesterdays, where it's Marion oh, Hartley. Oh, Well, no, it's not.
3: <laughs> I, I think you see that
5: episode, all our yesterdays, with between Spock and Zarabeth. It's really clumsy, Scott. I, I, listen, it's what really about the
1: Salem Witch Trials? Just a minute. Hang on a second. Hang on. I, in defense
5: of all our yesterdays, which is photo witch, novel, witch. Photo <laughs> novel number six. You know that. By the way, when he's when she said witch, witch, they'll burn. Yeah, like, that scared me when I was a kid. But see, it now that should, episode, he's a terrible actor. That episode is another one. That as a kid, I I wasn't crazy about it, but as a grown-up – uh, I really had a completely different take on it. And I feel like it was the second to the last episode shown from the original series before Turnabout Intruder, mm-hmm. which I despise. And that should have been, oh, our yesterdays, that should have been the last episode that they shot or that they at least showed because of the title, our yesterdays. The, the image of the Enterprise speeding away from Sarpedon when the mm-hmm. uh, star goes supernova. That was, great.
1: that was a great image. And Ian just... Wolfe is great as Mr. ATOS. A to Z. A to Z. No, but, I you
5: Regard. I, I think uh, our oh, yesterday's is a very, very good I episode, especially for third flesh season and I've standards. <laughs> it. What's that?
2: I have eaten animal flesh and I've, and enjoyed, I've enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. <laughs> never even been to Peter Luger's. Scott,
1: <laughs> yeah, Scotty, you
5: there? You got to come aboard now. Beam us aboard fast. We've got to maximum warp as soon as we're there. Kirk, out. Boom. That should have been like boom. That's it. I'd say uh, the
1: episodes without its 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 merits, but I, I don't. I, you know, I don't think that is the classic. That it's some not people the great love story
5: Star Trek, but
0: it does have its merits. Do you agree? um yeah alexandra august <laughs> yeah um i'm not the biggest original series expert but i like all what our are you yesterdays.
3: doing on the show yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Right, can
0: we talk yeah, yeah. about my favorite um, yes. But it, well, well i wanted to we... say something before like when you brought up the sort of the slash fan fiction that kind of begins with spock and kirk I, A lot of people credit just the beginning of shipping as a thing with spock and kirk which kind mm. of makes them pretty special um and the, another wonderful callback I wanted to bring up about from trials and tribulations is that when Jadzia and Cisco first get on the ship and she's mm. like oh my god there he is and yeah. Cisco oh, was that's like, great, oh, yeah, great Everyone great really liked Kirk. She's like, not yeah, Kirk. <laughs> I <laughs> can tell yeah. he was going
1: to be a doctor because he was great with his hands. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh. it's oh, a yeah, great one. He's yeah. got
5: uh, Terry Farrell is married to Leonard Nimoy. Oh, son. that's right!
0: Am oh, just...
1: now that's a great love story. That makes go. me
0: really happy. Every time I come across something from them on Twitter, I'm just like, "There's good in the world." <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome. All right, I have to say,
1: okay, Scott, so you're you're chomping at the bit, and then we got to go back to Alexandra because she she didn't name her episode but oh. let's but well, yeah, I thought Enterprise no, 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 no. Incident
0: go first um well, my original series go you go no, no, no! You please, please. Okay, just... fine, fine. Now the uh, thing Scott, about we know my what episode, you want to say, so let's just.
5: <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the chase. We know now. what and it everyone is? Everyone who's sort of seen me around, maybe maybe they've seen Watched me at the, the, at the creation uh, conventions, or maybe they saw the Roddenberry Vault. On so uh, a street corner, uh, yelling <laughs> on a street corner, you know, or maybe they were at the comic book store in 1978 when I bought this episode as a photo novel, <laughs> photo novel number five, which I still have. All 12 of those photo novels in pristine co- condition. The photo novels. Those photo novels are the rosebud of my Star Trek collection. Oh I Just cherish tell us what them. it is. Okay, now <laughs> now okay, here's what I have to say. My episode, unlike yours, unlike all of yours, mm. does not involve a love story. Uh, the love story does not involve a key a key member of of the Enterprise or of, of the, the, the station or of mm. Voyager, you know. It involves two guest stars. This episode, which aired in the second season, it was the second episode to be shot for the second season, written—it written. written it is a classic Gene Kuhn original screenplay, mm-hmm. directed by Ralph Sinetsky, amazing, beautiful cinematography by Jerry Finnerman, and a gorgeous, gorgeous score by George Dunning, my favorite score of the original series. This episode is Metamorphosis.
4: Companion, you love the man.
3: I do not understand.
4: Is he important to you? More important than anything. Is he. as though he were a part of you?
3: He is part
4: of me. The man must continue. He will not continue. He will cease to exist. By your feeling for him, you are condemning him to an existence he will find unbearable he will cease to exist
3: he does not age he remains
4: forever you speak of his body i speak of a spirit companion inside the shelter a female of our species is dying she will not continue that is what will happen to the man unless you release all of us I do not understand. Our species can only survive if we have obstacles to overcome. You take away all obstacles. Without them to strengthen us, we will weaken and die. You regard the man only as a toy. You amuse yourself with him.
3: You are wrong.
4: The man is the center of all things. I care for him. But you can't really love him. You haven't the slightest knowledge of love. The total union of two people. You are the companion. He is the man. You are two different things. You can't join. You can't love you may keep him here forever but you will always be separate apart from him if I were human
3: there can be love
5: and what i the, the, there's so much that i love about this episode for starters is the way it starts and what happens in the midpoint to flip the episode over into something different it is basically two different stories that work perfectly together. The first part of the episode, this this energy force, strands Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Commissioner Hedford, played by Eleanor Donahue from Father Knows mm-hmm, Best. Mm-hmm. A magnificent performance by Eleanor Donahue in this episode. They find Zephyr Cochran, Glenn Corbett, um, and they just think that the companion is an energy force, is a, a monster of sorts. They don't understand it. they got to kill it so they can get Commissioner Heffer back to the Enterprise so that she can be treated for her, uh, 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 for her disease so she can go off to uh, uh, stop a war on, on uh, two other worlds. She's basically Hillary Clinton yep. uh, in that 1967 episode. But then the moment, the moment that you hear the companion's voice with the universal translator and you hear that it is a female— Suddenly, immediately, the episode turns into a love story. The score sounds completely different from that point forward, and and it it is, if you look at the way it starts off one way, I think I have to kill the thing, and then it turns into a love story. It, in some ways, it is very similar to the uh, the flip that we see in Devil in the Dark which is Mm -hmm. another Gene Kuhn original Mm -hmm. story, that it starts off one way, they have to kill the Horda, and they find out it's a mother, and it flips everything over. If you turn Devil in the Dark into a love story, it's metamorphosis. And Eleanor Donahue, the range that she displays in that episode, going from being very, very uh, uh, uptight to uh, uh, really vulnerable, realizing that she squandered her life. And when she turns into the companion, how lovely she is. And just that moment when she holds up the scarf to... To see Zephram as the way she'd always seen her, him as the companions. I can't go with you, uh, uh, you know. Beautiful and moment by it's Robinson, a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful moment that happened by accident, mm. uh, and it just when you see Kirk trying to reason with the companion. You know, we will cease to exist. You cannot be together. You were too different. You will always be different. Shatner has had great moments in the original series that really showed how how fantastic he was as an actor. Conscience of the King, Balance of Terror, Sitting on the Edge of Forever. But the moments in that episode when Kirk is trying to reason with the companion, I think Metamorphosis is William Shatner's finest hour from the original series well you know that's
1: a really bold words and I have to say it goes back to what you said earlier about this idea that your opinion of Star Trek evolves over time Mm -hmm. uh, much like V'ger in the sense (laughs) that um, you know Metamorphosis was a show when it would come on when I was a kid I was like ugh Oh, and yeah. you know and it was like, oh well at least the Galileo seven looks good in this episode. You know, <laughs> and uh and, and and but you know, as time went on, and particularly in light of your passion for this episode, you know, I revisited it a couple years ago. I think when we were uh, working on the Roddenberry Vault or participating in that wonderful project. Yeah, it was awesome. And um and, and 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 it really is quite a good episode. I don't share your wild bullion enthusiasm, but I do think it's it's a really Great episode. It's a terrific love story. Um, um, great? Glenn Corbett's good as, yeah, as Cochran. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I was always disappointed when James, Co- you know, uh, James Cromwell play was re, you know recast. It was like, oh well, okay, uh, yeah, just take a and <laughs> okay. and uh, but uh, but it, it's a wonderful episode, it's a beautiful looking episode, as you said. Yep, uh, Jerry Finnerman and Ralph Sineski really create this wonderful alien planet. The uh, also, um, the the design of the house
3: and the clouds uh, and above the the cloud house. and yep.
1: just it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a really you know to me it's a really solid you know kind of a minus b plus trek episode but I understand your passion and 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 why you find it so special and it, it is a very uh, a very tender love story
5: you know th- this is an episode that I I you know I watch uh, I I always have Star Trek on in one form or another, whether I'm actually sitting and watching it or I just sort of have it on while I'm doing other things. Um, And that episode, I deliberately watch only once in a very, very great while because I want to always feel... Feel the emotion. Especially I never more. want to get sick of it. I feel the same way about, the, about Wrath of Khan at this point. I, I don't
2: want to get sick of it, so I sort Too of late. stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but Metamorphosis, you know, Darren, what do you I, think of that one? I, I enjoy Metamorphosis a lot. Um, not to the degree that you do. Which <laughs> no one does. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> but I, I, I really love it. Eleanor Donahue is lovely in it, and Shatner is brilliant in it. My only reservations about it mm-hmm. are Glenn Corbett is a little bit wooden.
5: I agree. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. He's he's a little Field bit of sort steps, of yeah. off kilter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's not one of the great guest stars of yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. I agree. But
2: he's I, a scientist, I, I, engineer, I, do, I do enjoy his turn when we do hear that the voice is female, mm-hmm. and he he freaks out. Yeah. 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 Right, he right. freaks out about it <gasps> because he doesn't know how to deal with it. Like because he, Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to be fodder for some inhuman monster. Right. Two-dimensional. Which is, you know. Parochial. Right. It's, it, it's very interesting uh, uh, take on it. So, it's also
1: an episode some of our younger listeners may not be that familiar with, you know, who who don't know the original show as well. And shame on you! But um, <laughs> they, they, they you know, who may know the, the classic episodes, the, uh, the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, an episode definitely worth seeking out if you're not as familiar with it, because it is a very uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful story. Well, now, just for
0: the sheer, like, introduction of Zephyr Cochran as somebody who's so beguiled by this, is, it really gets to the soul of Star Trek for me as well, right? that, um, your feelings and what attracts you are not necessarily the things that you would expect, Absolutely. especially yeah, and- when you're out here, exp- like out here exploring this final frontier changes you as much as we change it or as much as we explore it. It's kind of explores within us as well. Like, Again, it gets to the soul of that idea.
5: Yeah. At the end of that episode, the end of metamorphosis when, uh, you know, they, they, you know, get back in touch with the enterprise and, and, you know, Scott is like, I'll be there in 42 minutes. Uh, and then when Zephyr and the, Commissioner Heffer, the companion, they come back, and uh, I can't leave her. Uh, you know, she'll die if I do. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have a lot of years together, and the, and they'll be happy ones. Mm-hmm. And Kirk just says, "All the best." Mm-hmm. And they walk away. Oh, we'll find someone to stop that war. Yeah, it is right. such. Yeah. It is <laughs> so such much a, for that war. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful episode that mm-hmm. when I do watch it, I do get, I I do feel. Like, uh, it's like when I watch E.T., I, I feel like it's really going to, like, move me to, to tears when I do watch it. And no other episode, except maybe, I have to say, Return to Tomorrow. Uh, also, Ralph Sinetsky. Oh, that's interesting. Uh,
1: Why Return to Tomorrow? What about Return to Tomorrow en- engages
5: you in that way? The the love story between, uh, really, uh, 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 Sargon
1: and... Mm. uh so Lisa Yeah, played uh, by Diana Muldauer. Just
5: that, that last scene when they go off into oblivion. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. another beautiful score by George Dunning. It, really yes. accentuates it. The score for Metamorphosis is so beautiful. A lot of the I, same
2: cues in both. A, a lot of the same yeah. cues.
5: And they also used a lot of the cues from uh, from Metamorphosis in The Apple. Yeah. Another sensitive, uh, you know, there are a lot of sensitive episodes of Star Trek that often get overlooked. Metamorphosis is definitely one right. of them. So
1: our pick so far for the greatest Star Trek love stories of all time, mm-hmm. Scott Mance, Metamorphosis. I said sitting on the edge of forever. Darren I said Requiem for, Requiem Methuselah. for Methuselah. Now yeah. that brings us to you, Alexander. Alexandra. Greatest Star Trek love story of no all pressure, time. Though. I
0: know. <laughs> um so I I'll gonna parse this in an interesting way. My my diehard ship, the ship that I like I said, will will die on several hills for is Jane Wayne Chakotay. but that's kind of its own episode, to be honest with you, of this podcast. They're, um but. I don't
1: think we'll ever be doing that episode. Just so you know, um, <laughs> on this podcast, that's okay. That's all right. It's all right, though.
0: Well, anyway, when um, you launch the
1: Vo- the Voyager spinoff, however,
0: <laughs> um, I might be able to get you into this mark, but again, that's a story for another time. Ah. Um, I have a lot to say about it, um, but really, Ashley, when I think about, there's not a lot of episodes for Jamie and Shakur There's a lot of like me looking at. They touched hands right there, and that's what that means. Okay, that's what that means. <laughs> and so, not. I'm going to kind of put a pin in them for a minute. But really, when I think about episodes, or because I'm going to mention two that move me, and also really kind of. Bring out different sides to certain, bring out different sides of certain characters, and really kind of are ahead of, ahead of their time, and I think very representative of Star Trek, and are just good episodes are on their own. The Wharf Kaler episodes, mm. emissary, and reunion. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm. great, um, great choices. I rewatched them, I want to say like a year, a year and a half ago, and forgot how moving these two could make the strangest sex ritual I've ever seen hmm. work. Like, I mean, if you recall, like they fight in the holodeck and then like they sort of perfunctorily realize, OK, well, I guess it's time we're doing this. And they take off their gloves and then they like hold hands together until he crushes her nails into her palm and she starts bleeding. And I guess that's them mating right? ish. Um, huh. But then, like, they deal with the fallout of that, and then, of course, I guess somehow that makes her pregnant. (laughs) And she comes back in reunion, and Alexander is there. And in two episodes, Michael Dorn and Susie Plaxon create this amazingly tactile and just almost – I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is – I don't know. You can almost feel it. It's almost like a physical presence, their backstory and the chemistry and the love, like, clearly, the passion they clearly still have from each other, which is so representative mm. of just Klingon culture in general. The fact that they're both kind of fish out of water where they are, where she accepts herself a little bit more and Worf doesn't, is a really good analog, I think, to anybody from mixed, re- like mixed race backgrounds trying to run around in this world and be like meeting other people of mixed race backgrounds who've been allowed to be more comfortable with themselves. So there's just, there's so many layers to that story. And then, when she dies, it is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah totally. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's very powerful. I loathe the Duras family and will forever. I want to see them. <laughs> like, there's nothing good has ever come out of House Duras. I don't care. what. And just the idea that Alexander's there, and um, I don't want to mention this to everybody. Lo- um, my... My dad died when I was younger, and seeing him as a little kid, just see his father erupt in emotion mm-hmm. and run, and like get scared by it and just run away to the other room. I even as a as a little kid, I just remember relating to that feeling so much. And as much as I enjoyed Warf and Jadzia because I thought it was a really fun relationship mm-hmm. to have on DS Nine, and it was right. nice to have two series regulars again together. Their wedding was awesome. Um, I don't think they ever held a candle to the chemistry between Kayla and. Well, Worf. certainly
1: not Warf and Troy. Which was just bizarre. That was bizarre. I yeah,
0: I'm not as mad at Worf and Troy as I was mad as I was as mad about Chakotay and Seven and Endgame. I have not rewatched Endgame solely because of Chakotay and Seven. I am still angry about it and uh, I don't care. I love it. that
1: choice. I mean, I, I feel that whole Klingon arc is so great and people forget how powerful that moment was when she's killed and just how loathsome the Duras family was and how much you wanted to see them get their comeuppance and how frustrating it was that they got the power in the empire. You mean they didn't treat yeah. Klingons like just the bad guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that, also yeah. that whole <laughs> arc so with
0: depth depth and in complexity Worf's of the and yeah. Worf's commendation and Worf's all of that was so well drawn. I'm not, I'm not the the biggest Klingon fan if only because I feel like they've just been kind of terminally overused um but this is some of my these are some of my favorite Klingon episodes because you get into the politics they get way more kind of depth and um uh they get they get far more depth in terms of just their political inner workings mm. and you see like you just get to see more aspects of them which I think is a huge treat and I love Kim Peck <laughs> I love him so much and I love love that he names Picard this guy I, I, I could go on but um, <laughs> also too I love that Kalar is a woman who walks on the ship and like arrives in a coffin and she's like, hi, what's up? And starts to immediately needle wharf. She is not intimidated by anything. She is... She gets killed because she goes right up to Duras. She's like, you... And traitor 100% you are what the hell I just found out and then she kind of doesn't think the fact that Duras is a traitor and a murderer and like nothing's going to stop him from killing her literally on the ship but then when you see Worf just no holds barred walk like walk over and kill him immediately mm. to cards like that's
1: great this is great choices I'll tell you you know surprisingly for a show that often could be very chaste, there are some great next generation love stories you one of the ones I love which is very early in the run and and people tend to dismiss season one and two was in one zero zero one zero zero one, which right. was Rikers involvement with Minuet, where the Binars create sort of the perfect woman to distract. Riker oh, you mean the like
2: Requiem for Methuselah? No, but but but, <laughs> but, uh, but no, no that that it's not, that that not the thing that, to say, thing that you argue no, with no. me about. Let, let me and tell yet you, a holograph wrong, girl
1: is I'll okay. tell you why you're wrong. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There was not life and death circumstances. First of all, they they created someone specifically to entice him. Secondly, they were refitting the enterprise. There was no stakes, so he could play trombone, and that's not a euphemism. He was literally <laughs> yeah. playing trombone, and, um, he, and 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 they were you know. So it was completely to me a realistic love story, but and it was also about him coming to realize that you know f- the fantasy woman is is not real. You know that this he thing. realized that con- a
0: couple more times.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's 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 for sure. Maybe that was Tom Riker, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, look, he was the most uh, cut in the most quirky and mold. And I will, I remember the first time I was ever on set was for too short a season. That first season, they just shot the Edo Planet episode, mm-hmm. which was Justice. You know, where right. they're running around in these little in those, the barely yeah. there underwear. And I remember, I remember this day, and it's it's freaking thirty years ago. Nice Planet. Frank said to me when I, I was on my first set visit, he said. Man, we love the Edo Planet. You should have been here last week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because you know, twenty five years later, I was you know working with him in, uh, on TV. He was directing a couple episodes of mine, and um, and we were still talking about the Edo Planet.
0: <laughs> Don't <laughs> break any plants on the Edo Planet. Never Everything run. else no, is fine. Can I do an honorable mention? Oh, please, please. Okay, I my to want an honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, everyone sort of like
5: dumps on the third season. And there are some bad episodes in the third season. I just avoid them. I don't watch them. I just watch the ones that I really love. And another great love story, this one does involve a key figure of the Enterprise, the Paradise Syndrome. That episode with Kirk and Miramani... Yeah, uh, it was the only episode of the third season that was shot on location. Yeah. because the budget was cut so severely. Uh, you know, we talked about this in your your book, Fifty Year Mission, uh, Fifty yeah. Year Mission, yeah. about how you know you got a ship full of four hundred twenty eight people, but a lot of times it just looked like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy were the only ones on the Enterprise. But I digress. But yeah. I just love very quiet that last like, season, <laughs> just like um, in Inner Light, how you see Picard sort of live out a life. You see Kirk live out a life uh, where he's he's happy, he's truly happy. I mean, he doesn't remember uh, his life. He doesn't remember. He sees faces. He he said in the dreams that he was talking about to Miramani, uh, Sabrina Scharf. and this was you know uh, she was pregnant with his kid. There was going to be so you know. David uh, Marcus was going to have a half-brother or a half-sister. Um, sure wasn't the only
1: one. And, uh, you know, what? Maybe,
5: <laughs> maybe there are other offspring of Kirk out there in the galaxy
1: in the 23rd century and beyond. That's a whole show. Beyond. They send out the searcher to find all the kids, the illegitimate searcher. kids. Oh, my <laughs> God. You're going I'm second Kirk.
0: season, Buck Rogers. How dare you? You would need Cerebro to find Kirk's um, children.
5: Again, um, you know, the Paradise Syndrome. Uh, a a great score. I think it's uh, Gerald Freed did the score for that one. Beautiful. Um, beautiful, And uh, it is a beautiful score. It is a beautiful story. I Um, I love
3: that
1: the... um the glyph the pyramid whatever. Oh, the the obelisk the obelisk yeah yeah, yeah sure. i
5: mean i think it's a it's a terrific episode too bad that wasn't the first episode that they showed for the third season that could have changed things considerably yeah, i don't think um, so, um, so. Nah, i think it would have <laughs> i think people would have uh uh felt like okay that was really good unlike spock's was brain. It, was what it, but brain was it really huh? <laughs> but no, Paradise Syndrome is is often overlooked. So is another third season episode for The World is Hollow, and I've Touched the Sky. Uh, not a great episode, but a very good one. And, and, and nice. McCoy, McCoy love story. story from McCoy. From McCoy yeah. yeah, love story from McCoy.
0: Um, I need to give an honorable mention because I can't let any Star Trek discussion of romance go by without mentioning Sub Rosa. It haunts her in her sleep. Beverly.
4: A terrifying presence who warms her soul. Stop it! And will kill anyone who stands in his way. We'll be together. Always. Now, will his seductive power take possession of Dr. Crusher? I'm leaving Starfleet. Or can she escape his deadly clutches?
3: Come on, Beverly, we've got to get out of
4: here. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation.
3: Uh, I was wondering if someone was going to bring that up. Well,
0: you said the word chase, but I was like, hold the phone. Not that one episode where we essentially watch Beverly. Okay. I don't, I don't, like, uh, what, how, how did that get, that, I feel like that deserves its own episode of how did this get made? Because seriously, (laughs) it is, the concept (laughs) is kind of low-key abusive. And then B, we're watching mom, like. You know, in front of like on our PG screens, it was just like almost like the game as well, um, where you see people. We understand what the game does. The game sure. like hits your sexual pleasure centers. So the enterprise, everybody's walking around literally getting like that part of their brain tapped while they're on duty and intent forward. Everyone's in public. walking around Topped with an O face. Yeah, <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm sorry. Like I swear a lot. So I, I the only the way the only way I could think <laughs> to express that was was not not uh, clean lyrics, but um. office space baby. But yeah, I. I any thoughts on Sub Rosa? Because I still just kind of every once in a while I watch it just for fun, and my jaw hangs. Uh, open. I mean,
1: you know, Brandon had been reading a lot of Henry James, <laughs> and it's Brandon. And, you know, the seventh season, they were doing some really gonzo stuff. I mean, you look at the one where they're turned into Neanderthals and Genesis. There's Rascals where they're turned into kids.
0: I'd love, that was okay, directed by Rascals Adam anymore. a classic episode. And, and, and look, yeah.
1: Rascals is better than it has any right to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they were trying some really out there stuff. And Sub Rosa is part of that. Um, had Duncan Rieger from V. Yes, uh, it was a bizarre episode. And I mean, masks zombie, is, like
0: up out of the coffin. I would watch Sub
1: <laughs> Rose a hundred thousand times over having to watch Masks again. I'm just, just What yeah. about Dax Fair.
5: and Lenara from DS Nine rejoined?
0: Oh, right, sure. That was sure.
5: beautiful. That was yeah, beautiful. That's, that's a really great. A um, uh, great uh, that great is absolutely has to be mentioned in one of the great love what's,
0: stories. What's um, Susan's? What's her name? That was season
5: act- four, and Susanna Thompson. Thank you. yes, yes. I love She later it. played the Borg Queen. She uh,
0: initially, I'm sure you know that she initially auditioned for the film, like for First Contact and mm-hmm. wasn't cast. And I loved that they brought her on because I think she makes a much better televised board well, queen. Well, she played Romulan. Medium.
1: She played the board yeah. queen in Voyager briefly. She didn't she? Um, played a lot of different characters.
0: Didn't she also play an alien who had a forehead like this? Well, they all did. I think yeah. Scott
5: Michael Westmore. Think
2: did. Michael Westmore really had fun with the
5: foreheads. Yeah. <laughs> Look, well,
0: before. before
2: before we close this off, I, I just want to say something about Captain Kirk, and <laughs> say something, and his his relationships on this show with, with women. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty much, except for the last one that we see, all of his exes love him still.
1: Oh, all of his That's exes true. are friends Rude with him, and mm-hmm. and in court martial, yeah, 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 uh, uh, deadly uh, years.
2: All of them mm-hmm. to his face. The, he he respects them. And they like him. So he has – he is not this Lothario that has been portrayed in popular media. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go betting all the women
1: in the universe. Well, what about the um, – in uh, Drusilla in Friend uh, Circuses? Does she still like him? Of course she does. Okay. Why think, wouldn't she? Why wouldn't is, she? Like, she had a fun night with him.
0: Yeah. A likable, charming guy. And I do think that he's gotten this reputation for being almost a Bond esque womanizer. Yeah, but but he which was I don't never know that, like that. Yeah. I don't know that he. I think it's. I don't know that he deserves it. I just think I think that I feel like the reason that happens with Star Trek is because at the same time as you have Kirk being this charming guy who's really flirtatious, we also have women in the military wearing go-go boots and miniskirts. So it's I think people sort of conflate those two concepts and place this frustration onto Kirk because he's this human manifestation of it when in fact he's just kind of this guy and like. Who clearly enjoys women and doesn't want to settle down because he can't. He's a military commander and doesn't. And, That's like, absolutely he doesn't right. clear, yeah. and like he doesn't. And like and he does... loved women
1: and he treated them as equals. Looking and never at, yeah, really looked I, yeah. down at them with, so, yeah. with disrespect. And when,
5: when you look at how charming he can be, you got to look at the conscience of the king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, worlds may change, galaxies disintegrate, but a <laughs> but woman. woman always
1: remains now, a woman. <laughs> she does not still like Captain Car- No, <laughs> Lenore no, Caridian wherever she's bad. Arkham Asylum. Uh, but he felt bad. He felt bad. You he really did, did feel care bad. about he him, did He did care you? about her. He's he, not going to give me an he answer, He loves too deeply because, you know, you have the, yeah, it's, uh, that's absolutely right. With Lenore Caridian, even though she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, he's still at the end of it we, we felt really it. terrible mm-hmm. about about the whole thing. And by thing. the way,
5: Barbara Anderson, great performance. Oh,
1: it's so great. We yep. talked about this on a previous episode, Star Trek Villains, and uh, how great Lenore uh, Caridian and Barbara Anderson was yep. in that in that role. Um other honorable mentions before we call? Uh, One um, quick workforce. honorable mention, but you go first.
0: Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, workforce on Star Trek Voyager. Um, it was a kind of like an interlight esque sort of concept, whereas the, uh, some of the crew of Voyager are essentially subsumed by the society who reworks their, gives them fake memories and fake identities so that they can be part of their workforce because mm. they just need workers. It's kind of a silly premise, but it allows them to explore different sides of their personality. And Captain Janeway is just this woman who goes to work, punches a clock, does not have this incredibly huge responsibility weighing on her, and she meets this guy named, I want to say it's... Chavin, or something. Um, I didn't love this episode because sh- they did not use the obvious opportunity they had to get Janeway and Shakota together when they didn't remember <laughs> each other. But it was a really wonderful. I told you, I will die in this You've so gotta many times. So Don't you tell me to let go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw um, <laughs> it. Oh, sorry. Uh, really, uh, really quickly. But it, you get to see. They have these great intimate scenes with her and this guy. They move in together and she just has this kind of perfect little relationship. And then eventually she comes back to her ship and he can't stay. And it's just this one instance of Janeway having an actual believable romance. And you get mm-hmm. to see what she would have been like at home with Mark or, you know, this other side to her that we so, that we just never got to see, which was right. so gratifying.
1: Well, I, I'm going to throw out something really crazy, which is Star Trek IV, because I love the fact oh, love that, that yep. you know, know Shatner, or Kirk, I keep saying Shatner, but Kirk, you know, tries to hit on Catherine Hicks, and uh, she shoots him down. Yeah. And you know, he's not less moonves. He's not like I'm not going to get you that job <laughs> at the 23rd Century Aquarium because you want to sleep with it. He's like, <sighs> <laughs> you know, just. Oh well, it's great. <laughs> I guess I'm getting galaxy. older. <laughs> <laughs> See you but around the charm the isn't working the way it used mm-hmm. to, but you know, it's like it, he takes his shot he and he respects the fact that she has no her. interest in him whatsoever. I'm and gonna throw she's interested out in okay. In the future. You what? You, I'm
5: I'm afraid, almost afraid with the uh, I don't I know how people feel about the JJ movies, but I loved the twist with the romance between Spock and Uhura in Star Trek 2009. It's funny. Yeah.
0: I loved it. I liked it too. I have- Good a, twist. Surprise know, Clearly I have
1: worked. certain problems with the J.J. movies. That is not one of them. Good. And I yeah. love the fact that they did something completely unexpected. Yep. But it's but not unexpected original. because there
2: was some chemistry between Uhura and Spock on the original show. Uh, the yeah. Man Trap. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, she was flirting with him. Uh, yeah, uh, I, It was great. It was a great way to give Zoe more to do, to show a different side of Uhura, a different yeah. side of Spock. I can well, think of no of one Vulcans more, in too, more like qualified to... Miss Uhura. <laughs>
0: I think it's tough for people who are not massive massive fans of the show and really plugged into all the nuances of Vulcans but I think it's tough for people to be like they have no emotions how do they have relationships and fall in love yeah, that's like not... well Spock is a person there are plenty of relationships
1: where one side of the relationship had no emotions <laughs> you know? true
0: true but why is that desirable um, but so it's I think it also allows you to see like how this does work how Spock would have had a relationship and how frustrating that would have been for someone like Uhura who is so right. passionate like the things that attract them are also the things that frustrate them and they've kept that tone pretty consistent. Consistent throughout the movies which I think has been
1: That's a really well interesting got. point Scott I, I think that's a great great but edit But I do think in those movies it was done inappropriately well, when they're fighting, when they're going on the Klingon planet, and they're yeah. arguing about their relationship, it's very unprofessional. Yeah, that is a oh, Conceptually. It's you're, you're
5: it's... Ta- now you're getting into, into darkness. I'm talking no. about
1: Star Trek 2009. <laughs> well, let's get it's out of darkness. Right? Let's get out of darkness, and we're, we're out of time. And wish everybody a very, very happy Valentine's Day. We hope that uh, you'll be spending it with someone you love or even like a little bit. <laughs> um, and uh, if not, thank you for spending it with us, because we love our fans. And uh, we're so glad that you chose to join us again here on the show. And Don't we're so happy to have commander. two wonderful guests this week having the great, uh, you yeah, know, Alexandra, it was such a great to have you because there's no one on the show who's ever shipped Chakotay and Janeway. So it's great to actually have someone who feels you that guys are in the minority about it, <laughs> are we? And uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's so cool. And, uh, you know, I love to see the side of the show. And then Scott Mass, at last, we finally lured you in much like uh, the Orions uh, in Journey to Babel and uh, it's it was great having you I hope you'll come back
5: I will absolutely be back thanks for having me and it sure is great and what an honor and Alexandra, always great talking with you absolutely Darren, too. Mark always great talking Star Trek with you especially when we could do it in an official capacity official like
1: this. yeah official <laughs> the official capacity <laughs> well I want to remind you you can follow Glorious Trek experts on Twitter and Instagram at Glorious Trek as well as on Facebook at facebook.com backslash glorious Trek, where you can continue the conversation by suggesting future show topics and give us feedback on every episode. In addition, if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars at Able Podcast. Not three stars, not four stars, five stars. There are five stars. You can hear new episodes of Inglorious Trek every Sunday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, don't miss out on our all new podcast, Disco Nights, with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week, including Alexandra August, who was recently on the show, and I'm sure she'll be back soon, uh, with new episodes premiering every Thursday night. And there's a love story we didn't talk about Shazid, Latif, and uh, Saniqua. And, of course, uh, the, the relationship between uh, Stamets and uh, Wilson Cruz as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I really feel like that should probably should have been my honorable mention because that's such a great depiction. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. And uh, finally, a very special
1: thanks to uh, Bill Ritter and Nally Muscali and everyone here at Electric Search Network for making the show possible. We couldn't do it without them. Couldn't do it without you, our audience. So until next week, on behalf of Scott Mance, Alexandra August, and the great Darren Doctorman, keep on trekking, ingloriously, gloriously, of course engage.